folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism to find common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory, and today we've got an episode all about the midterms, or at least the run-up to the midterms uh, for you guys. And, uh, you know, these midterms, of course, are, you know, probably the most important midterms that have ever midtermed in the history of midterms. Yeah, because it's the the final battle between good and evil, right? And winner takes all. Political Armageddon, you know, right. but uh, and that is reflected in what has probably been the most 2018 run up to a midterms that is that imaginable. Could, that could possibly <laughs> be. I mean, we we got a little bit of everything here, folks. We've got pipe bombs. We've got caravans. You name it, we got it. Uh, one thing I do want to mention before we jump into this: no Mueller news. No Mueller now, news. And that's possibly the most surprising shock out of any of this. Yeah, stuff, I, I have to admit, I really thought there was going to be a Mueller nugget that dropped in October. Uh, you know, There's like still a true a little October bit of time. So. There, is, there is still a little bit of time, but all, all indications are that we're not going to hear anything about Mueller until after the midterms. Some people are even saying the investigation is going to wrap after the midterms. But there's a couple things that I've drawn from that that I wanted to share with everybody. One, uh, that that leads me to believe, all right, if you're Robert Mueller and you have a smoking gun, one would have to imagine, like, if you've got an email from Putin to Trump. Sure. That a you, wire transfer yeah, yeah. or something. You have to drop that before the midterms, wouldn't you think? Well, I don't know. You don't want to look partisan. Well, you, you don't want to look like you're in, you know, dropping things to to influence the election. Yeah, that's already yeah. been kind of a criticism of the investigation. So Which you I, also you also don't want to lose the ability to have a Congress that will impeach a president. Hey, that's a good who, point. You know what I mean? So like, but but any attempts to do that looks looks partisan. And I think you and I think it backfires. It does, and and I'm I'm glad you brought that because that leads me to my next point. I actually want to commend Mueller. For going silent, mm. uh, because and, and which is another thing. Let's be honest here. The last three or four weeks, the the relative silence out of the Mueller camp. There's been a couple announcements. Uh, Papadopoulos is out there making a bunch of fuss, but the 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 silence shows us that those leaks coming out of that investigation <laughs> could have stopped at any point. <laughs> you know, but I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bang on him for that. I'm gonna say thank you for doing that because uh, unless he has that. Unless he has something that clearly implicates Trump that he has to, that he, you know, has no other alternative but to tell us all, the best thing he can do is just shut up. Yeah. Because, again, you know, like we talked about, the whole idea here is to preserve the integrity of our elections. And if you drop something that that skews one way or the other. Preserve the integrity of our elections. You think that's the whole idea? I think the whole idea is win, win, win for like 90% of people out there right well, now. Well, I'm saying. On either side of this battle. That's the basis on which I'm commending him. <laughs> right. Is that, that, yeah, any action from him over the course of this last month, and obviously with what we're going to cover today, he certainly didn't need to add to it, but yeah, would have would have tipped the scales one way or the other, or at least had everybody arguing and stuff, and we wouldn't be able to focus on the issues. Now, it's not like we're going to focus on the issues anyway because of this caravan of crazy we've had over the last three weeks. But before we talk about caravans, let's take a minute to talk about Cesar Sayak, the 56-year-old man who's sent 13 pipe bombs to Democrats and people who have been critical of Trump. Uh you know, all over the place. Yeah, he sent pipe bombs to just about everybody. Robert De Niro, Cory Booker, John Brennan, 
uh, the Obamas, the Clintons, Soros, you name it. If you said something critical of Trump or you're a prominent member of the left wing, uh, you definitely got a a maybe a pipe bomb. Well, that's the thing. This whole thing is just kind of a little fishy to me. There's there's like cracks in the case. Uh, for one, were were they pipe bombed? The FBI uh, said that they contained what is known as energetic material, and that's some kind of explosive. Um, you know, a potential explosive that gives off heat and energy through a reaction to heat shock or friction. Um, but the FBI said they're still analyzing the devices. We don't know a whole lot about them. However, Anthony May, a retired government explosives investigator, told Vox that based on the x-rays of the pipe bombs that were leaked online, he believes the devices were not capable of functioning. Now, whether whether that's because he was just a crappy pipe bomb maker or yeah. they were intentionally not rigged to explode, who knows? Yeah, it's curious. But, but it's really fishy. I think if you're going to engage in some kind of terrorism campaign, um, you'd test the pipe bomb first. You know, yeah. you, you'd know they worked. There were some other fishy things too. To well, yeah, me. it was it was odd that the uh like the the weird getter done sticker that was like done in the ISIS font was, you know, on the outside of the bomb. If the bomb's gonna explode, like who's gonna see that? Who's gonna see the sticker? And uh, you know, I saw somebody online, it, it may have been Anthony May, it may have been somebody else, but say that uh the wire, you know, there were wires that were noticeably missing that th there was no wire that would have ever att attached. That, that to was a Anthony May. Yeah. Right, he right. said the, the wires did not attach to a switch. So yeah. there were wires embedded in it, but there was nothing to send any kind of heat shock or charge to ignite the explosive material. So that's a little weird. I think it was weird that uh, some of the envelopes weren't uh, weren't post canceled, right. you know, weren't postmarked. So they didn't mm -hmm. actually go through the post office. And and the FBI said some of them were hand delivered. Yeah. Um, some of them were delivered through U.S. Post. So maybe we're seeing pictures of of one that was hand delivered. However, something else kind of struck me as weird. The first picture I saw that came out was this scary looking, you know, PVC pipe bomb with shit all over it next to an envelope with stamps on it that were not canceled. Right. Um, and I just thought, who the heck, upon opening this envelope, would have taken the pipe bomb out, set it on the table and and taken a picture of it right. and run to Twitter and posted it or sent it yeah. to CNN. Like, well, it seems ludicrous to me. I, do, I don't know. And I don't think we were able to find like the, the what do they call it? The provenance? Provenance? of that photo anyway where the photo came from look at me trying to use big words but um yeah i think i think that investigators or you know the fbi or people with the bomb squad i think they do take pictures of devices while they're trying to disarm them like somebody not the guy disarming them obviously but somebody takes a picture in case there's an explosion so that they can they have that for reference during the investigation and that makes sense but yeah. with the with the envelope next to it and it looked like it was on a desk like, I don't know. It was just yeah. kind of weird. No, it's, maybe it's, you're right. Maybe the bomb squad took the picture, sent it to CNN. CNN posted the picture. It's weird to me that they were hand delivered uh, when they ended up catching the guy in Florida. Now, granted, I guess he had time to, to drive, drive to back York. home. But yeah, that means that he drove up there last weekend because I think Soros, uh, they got their bomb like Monday night, uh, delivered that one. Uh, I think the CNN bomb was the next morning. And I think De Niro's was late that day or the day after that. Um, hmm. at, it was at a restaurant, I think that De Niro owned, uh, is where the bomb came. And then he drove back down to Florida and, and they busted him down there. And like, and some of them had been mailed from Florida. So that's why he, you know, but like after those had been hand delivered. So the timeline's real weird and I'll be very interested to see what comes out of the investigation. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm saying there are things that are fishy 
it's funny. Anytime you go into this territory, you know, we start we start hearing about people talking about false flags, and, right? Um, and operatives, and you know, oh, these are things that are being done shadily to influence midterms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you got to look at this and. And I hate to go into like Alex Jones territory, but mm. the history of false flags is huge. I mean, Japan has been engaged in false flags. The Reichstag fire, uh, yeah. Operation Northwoods, like we the Gulf of Tonkin, the I Gulf mean, of Tonkin, yeah. exactly. So we know these things happen. So I don't think that it's fair to like, you know, I don't want to be pegged as a conspiracy for entertaining these ideas. Right. But I'm going to entertain them nonetheless. You call me yeah. what you want. I'm not saying it's one way or the other. But you got to think about this, okay? If this guy was a Trump supporter, and, and make no mistake, his van is covered in Trump stickers. Yeah. Um, you know, the windows are covered in all Com- these wild... Comically so. Yeah, I mean, comically yeah, so. Yeah. Um, but a sane Trump supporter, you think he'd wait for midterms to do this? Like, this yeah. is the most damaging thing a Trump supporter could do to the Republican Party before midterms. So yeah. that's another one of those kind of fishy things that's well, like... It's an interesting, it's an interesting like set of narratives that we're given. And, and I want to, I want to you know, reinforce the point that you're making about false flags is I think so. So obviously the right, like knee jerk, uh, as soon as they figure out, uh, you know, that all these bombs are going to, uh, Democrats. And then also they double some of some people double down when they find out that it's a big Trump supporter, they're saying, you know, all oh, it's a false flag. And the left saying, you guys are silly tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy Yeah, you're theories. all Alex and Jones. And that is the problem with Alex Jones. Alex Jones poisoned the well on false flags. And that's the danger of Alex Jones. Because, as you just said, and as we just listed, there are false flag attacks throughout history. I mean, it's a thing. Yeah, it I happens. found a list of like 42 yeah. legitimately sourced and, and, and we don't have to go false back flags to the, by various governments across the world. Yeah, and we don't have to go back to the 60s. We can find, uh, you know, in that list, there was a, a, a somebody who worked for the Department of Defense who was quoted as saying, let's set up a... a a rival terrorist network to Al Qaeda in order to take Al Qaeda down by, you know, so these ideas are still being kicked around. It's a lot like we were talking about voter fraud last week, guys. It didn't just stop with the Gulf of Tonkin. It it didn't just, you know, people weren't just up and like, well, you know what? That's a bad tactic. We're going to stop doing it. Um, But it is curious for why this guy, why this would happen now. And you, you have to look at it on one hand, Everybody's saying, don't just write him off as a crazy loon. This is a Trump supporter who's been whipped into a frenzy by Donald Trump. Right. Well, if he's not just batshit crazy, why would he do it now? Right. And, and I think I think most logically, the guy is probably just batshit crazy. Right. I mean, you look at his van. Uh, you look at the pipe bombs that that aren't exploding. He's probably just a nutter. You know, yeah. he's, he's probably just a nutter. Um, but... I don't think you can discount the idea that maybe it was even a Republican op because I mean, think about this. You can, you can go, Oh, look guys, the Dems are totally going to own us in this election for this pipe bomb thing. They're trying to blame us for this crazy, you know, this one crazy guy get out there and, and, and get to the polls. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't think you can write off craziness on either side. Yeah. Not, not to put anything past, uh, the, the RNC or anything, (laughs) but, um, I, I, I think it's too big of a gamble for them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's there's too big a possibility for blowback for mm. the Republicans. Um, but it doesn't mean that I think that, like, they're incapable of doing things like that. Yeah, I mean, I again, I absolutely think that both of them are capable of doing things like that. Right. Um, I, I would like to actually just a quick, quick side note. I wanted to update a story from last week. 
Uh, turns out that that Texas voter fraud ring that we were talking about uh, came out this week. It was a Democratic official in the county that paid them to go do that. So, yes, I believe. Wait a second. You're talking about the 53,000? No, not the 53,000. The the ring of four women, uh, 30 counts of voter fraud. Oh, okay. They, and they said the Texas AG was basically creating a false. I mean, you know, that's in essence what they were accusing him of is that this was a false trumped up charge right. to influence, you know, voting laws before the election. Well, it turned out it was the county Democratic head who had paid them to go out and harvest these votes. I'll be darned. Yeah. So I, I don't want to go back into voter fraud, but what I do want to highlight is I don't put anything past either party. I don't, I don't put anything past people who are going after power, which right. is what we were saying last week. You know, I, I think that's what people like they lose sight of. They're like, well, you know, the Democrats support positions that I like. And I think that they have noble intentions and stuff. They are still human beings trying to amass power. Right. And that's what people forget, you know? Yeah. I think we, we forget that real quick. So uh, real quick though, back to, back to Sayoc. Um, I think the question is if it, it, Regardless of whether it's a, a democratic op, regardless of whether he's just a nutter, um, I, you know, I don't think we'll ever find out the answer to that. So I think we need to treat it as if it was uh, as if it was real. This guy was a Trump supporter and 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 sent these bombs to people. I mean, we can entertain ideas on either side, but when it comes down to it, who who will ever know? Right, <laughs> you know. Right. So the question to me, um, if we assume that that he was a Trump supporter. And he and he sent these things and he was trying to blow people up. Is Trump actually responsible for this? And I think that's the narrative very large this week um, from the left is, you know, well, Trump has been ratcheting up and ratcheting up and, and saying inflammatory things and, and, you know, causing people to engage in this kind of behavior. And and I think we've got to look long and hard at that and find out, you know, if there's some truth to that. So we can look at uh, some of the things uh, Trump has said. He has, he's clearly denounced this violence since it happened. Uh, I've got a quote here from him. The suspect has been captured. Great job. He's now in federal custody. These terrorist actions must be prosecuted and punished to the fullest extent of the law. We all know that. I want to applaud the FBI and the Secret Service. They did an incredible job. This is finding truly a needle in the haystack. When you think about it, we love our police. We love our law enforcement. Political violence must never, ever be allowed in America. And I will do everything in my power to stop it. So sounds pretty good, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, it sounds like he's he's clearly denouncing it. But at, at that point, yes, no, he came out and, you know, he issued that statement and everything. And, and that is a pretty clear denunciation. Uh, however, the next day, uh, you know, there's this interview and he's kind of trying to head inside and they ask him, they say, so with all this going on and and with the, the extremism getting ratcheted up, do you think you should tone down the rhetoric? Or <laughs> and he almost uh, like, you know, well, very much so in a challenging sense. He's like, well, I could tone it up. Yep. <laughs> you know, he's like, I could tone it up as, as, as unfairly as the media has treated me and the Republicans. Uh, I think I am toning it down and stuff. And, and, you know, there seems to be he seems to see no role in any of what's going on in the country at large well, for his rhetoric. I mean, to me, these these pipe bombs weren't sent to media folks. I mean, I guess there was, what, one to CNN or John Brennan or something? Yeah, it was like sent to CNN. Addressed at CNN. Yeah. But this wasn't really 
uh, immediate attack to me. I I don't see any. Well, but I mean, I don't I don't think his rhetoric is limited to the media. It's not. I mean, you, you, know, you look at him talking about the what was a politician who body slammed a reporter. Right. And he's talking about, oh, you know, oh, you guys not think to he's great the, for body slamming his reporters. Not so. to mention the people, you know, he offered to pick up the legal defense of anybody who kicked out somebody who heckled him at his convent is his rallies and stuff, you know. Yeah, but I think we've got to I think we got to look at it. And I'm not <laughs> defending Trump because um, you can't really you can't go <laughs> far down the road of defending Trump. Yeah. You just you just can't. But I don't think that him saying I think him saying uh, you know, I could really tone it up is, is just, it's just clickbait. You know, he's just trolling the, the reporters. I, but I don't think, I think this guy Cesar probably would have sent pipe bombs anyway. I don't yeah. think anything Trump says is going to, is going to stop that no, from happening. No, no, that's, that's something I completely agree with you. And I think, I think that even going back to last year with the congressional baseball shooting, you know, some people tried to pin that on Bernie. The guy was a Bernie supporter and stuff. Yeah, does and, that make sense? And no, it, it, it well, yes and no. And I'm, I'm getting ready to get into it here. Do I think, like you said, would the pipe bombs have been sent regardless of what Trump did? There's a good chance. There's every chance. Um, I don't know that for certain, but I will say that the guy clearly was willing to cross the line where he would send either pipe bombs or something strongly resembling pipe bombs to these people. So clearly he was there already. You know what I'm saying? I don't think anything that Trump has said in the last year um, necessary made him one of those people. I think he was already one of those people. Now that said Trump's tone and rhetoric and all that stuff that he set since he, you know, basically entered the race in 2016 and then the response in kind from the Democrats does all of that create a more heightened, tense situation where normal people might get a little crazier and crazy people might get a little crazier? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Can, who, do we, who do we pin that on, though? I mean, how do you say, you know, uh, what, we, we start saying, okay, president's not allowed to criticize the media now? Um, well, that's you know, what, is it in the way that he criticizes the media? Like, yes. And, and where do we, and how do we draw those lines? If, if we compare, for example, what, what Trump's been saying, uh, to what Maxine Waters says. Maxine says, let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. You push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. We've got to get the children connected to their parents. And then she says, uh, the people are going to turn on them. They're going to protest. They're going to absolutely harass them until they decide that they're going to tell the president no, I can't hang with you. And you got Trump responding to Maxine saying, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, an extraordinarily low IQ person, has become, together with Nancy Pelosi, the face of the Democratic Party. She's just called for harm to supporters, of which there are many, of the Make America Great Again movement. Be careful what you wish for, Max. And, and people are now pointing at this and going, see, Trump is ratcheting up. And, and be careful what you wish for. You know, that's that's what sent Cesar into this spiral to pipe bombs. And and I can see that. But given nothing for him to respond to, he's not going to say, you know, be careful what you wish for. Plus, be careful what you wish for. To me, that's not a threat. He's just saying, look, here we are ratcheting this up, ratcheting this up. It may get us somewhere bad. And now guess what, folks? Here we are somewhere bad. Well, like, be, is that Trump's fault? Is careful. it Maxine's fault? 
be careful what you wish for just real quick is is kind of ambi- you can take it either way you, there have been instances uh, yeah. where people have have said it as a threat so it's it's hard to discern shit like that over twitter you know I, to me that's like reading tea leaves doesn't matter here here's the larger point and i'm actually to make that point i'm going to go back to i could tone it up that's the complete wrong thing to say right then it is okay while pipe bombs are going to people and they ask you hey you know, do you think we could do something about divisive rhetoric and stuff? You're like, hey, well, I could tone it up. You know, now now here's another statement from Trump. He says, uh, in recent days, we've had a broader conversation about the tone and civility of our national dialogue. Everyone will benefit if we can end the politics of personal destruction. We must unify as a nation in peace, love, and harmony. The media has a major role to play, whether they want to or not. They have a major role to play as far as tone and as far as everything. Now, I commend his his speechwriter, whoever did that for, <laughs> uh, for those sentiments, because I think a lot of what he said there is, is correct. But what I'm saying is that's being presidential, okay? What he did the next day is ratcheting it up. And when Maxine says that stuff, coming out and being like, I, I think that's the wrong way to go. I think we need to work together and stuff. That is what I want from the president. Right. So I see a lot of people having this this argument and stuff, and it's like, you know, do I personally think that like Trump quote unquote started it? Like in a sense, yes, there's, there's like a cycle of it. I could say that he started, there's a cycle of it. I could say stretches all the way back to Newt Gingrich back sure. in the nineties, you know, well, so, which came first, the chicken or yeah, the who egg, started like. it, man. But, but what I do see is people saying, well, there's a noticeable difference between the things that Trump say says and the things that the left says. And I saw this most when people tried to make, the congressional baseball shooting comparison with Bernie. And here's what I'm saying is that neither of them should be talking in those sorts of terms. Maxine shouldn't have said what she said. Trump shouldn't be doing what he's doing. And Bernie has got to chill out on the rich people. If this tax bill passes, you're all going to die. Rich people (laughs) want to see you dead in the gutter and all that stuff. I mean, to, to an extent, I get what he's saying. But when you are hit with that, when you are hit with these cute little soundbite quotes that help them win votes and, and, and do all that stuff and make it slick and help with the presentation, when you are bombarded with that stuff every day, it, A, makes it easier for a, a partisan media to, to bend and misshape what you're actually trying to say. And, B, people like Cesar, yes, people, there are normal people who are talking about the midterms or the Trump president, you know, people calling him Hitler out, off, out, out of the gate, mm. the dark, let's never forget the dark cloud of Mordor. Right. And those were normal, just everyday people. So what's it do to somebody like Sayok when that's the conversation that all of our politicians are having? Yeah. Or, that, or that all of our and Twitters fighting. and all of our Facebooks yeah. and all of our newspapers and all of our TV stations. Like, And, and you asked me, you asked me whose fault it was. And I'm going to tell you straight up. It's ours. That's whose fault it is. It's Mm. ours for allowing this and it's ours for trying to defend this bullshit when it happens. Like there, you know, like you said, and and I'm not this in no way is an indictment of you. I'm saying I'm right there with you, but it's, it's, it's all of us, man. The, the tone it down, like, you know, is that really, uh, uh, a threat or is that really like something that it doesn't matter. That wasn't the right thing to say. Right. Maxine, is it worse than what Trump said? It doesn't matter. She shouldn't have said it. Yeah. That's the point that we need to get to to fix this. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I think and I think Trump's speechwriter hit it on the head when he said uh, the media has a major role to play, whether they want to or not. They have a major role to play as far as tone and as far as everything. I think 
Trump also has a major role to play as far as tone. Yes. I think Maxine also has a major role yes. to play as far as tone. And and us, yeah. we do interpersonally among each other. We have a role to play as far as tone. If we continue, it's very clear. If we continue along the lines that we're going at this pace, at this elevated level, um, th- we're going to see more than pipe bombs. Yeah. We're going to see more than pipe bombs. No. It's not going to be pitchforks in the street. Um, th- this is heading nowhere good. No, it's, it's, fast. it's, it's, yeah, no, really bad and really fast. And, and I think, you know, I, I touched on this in an episode before too. Um, stop, stop. Everybody's got to stop trying to make intellectual points. Like not, not to say that there isn't room for that. There isn't a place for that, but look at the state of, of the conversation that we're having, you know, with this, uh, with the caravan, which we're going to jump to in a second, you know, with, with, uh, with all these things. And we get to these, these, Find little points and we're like, well, you know, okay, technically by the definition of it, he did not say a phrase that would incite <laughs> Cesar. Cause okay. Cause if I go back to the original Supreme court no, decision, I'm guilty. I'm guilty speech, of that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? No, but I'm guilty of it too. We're all guilty of it. And this is the, the, uh, the manifestation of everything that we've been talking about since episode one with team sports, you to an extent, even, you know, you and I have a team. We have this 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 moderate in the middle team, you know. That, that my, at times, my team is burn it down right now. My, well, right, my team is like is, is whoever is again enemy of my enemy. You know. What I'm yeah, saying? yeah. <laughs> but but even we have this position that we want to defend, and and we will belabor points, and we will get into minute details sometimes, and that's something that I think we're getting better at, and we're going to continue to work on. But everybody's got to work on that, man. Mm-hmm. Like. It, it it doesn't you know technicalities man it it just there's too much at stake like i'm i am really worried for the country going forward man and i'm not worried about technicalities as much anymore i don't think any of us should really be worried about technicalities as much anymore and and i think at least from hillary clinton you kind of saw a tone shift from her you know she went yeah. from saying you can't be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for uh, you know, I believe if we're fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. But until then, the only thing that Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength. And then after the bomb scare, she kind of walks that back and says, but it is a troubling time, isn't it? Uh, Clinton said at a campaign event for Donna Shalala, uh, and it's a time of deep divisions and we have to do everything we can to bring our country together. We also have to elect candidates that will try to do the same. And it, and I think she's absolutely right. Um, I'm not sure I see Democratic candidates, though, that that are walking back from the rhetoric. I don't I don't see Trump walking back from the rhetoric. I don't see supporters on either side really walking back from the rhetoric. And and that's really worrying, man. Like we're at a point where where I mean, if pipe bombs are getting sent in the mail, uh, we, we could be seeing war in the streets. We could see, you know, skirmishes. We I, I could see. You know, militia groups um, well, holding just, down city squares, and what a week ago the Proud Boys chased Nancy Pelosi into somewhere, and uh, what McConnell's been accosted at a restaurant now. Ted Cruz has been accosted at a restaurant now. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's one step away um, from getting really crazy. Yeah, I mean these these bombs didn't work. Maybe next time the bombs work, who knows? Maybe one of these these Proud Boys show up with an AK forty seven and start lighting up you know, politicians at a dinner, who, who knows? Yeah. But I, I do know that, that nothing from either side here is helping to heal the divide. Yeah. And well, in case in point, we've actually had, uh, two instances, uh, just recently, like over the last few days 
Uh, we had a shooting actually here in Kentucky uh, up in Louisville at a grocery store. Uh, there was, you know, a white guy. He tried to go to a black church and shoot it up is what it appears to be. And then when he couldn't get in there, he actually went to a grocery store. He shot and killed two people. And then just uh, yesterday, uh, uh, a dude who had been uh, talking about, you know, uh, the Jews running everything and, and George Soros is funding this caravan and all that stuff. He went into a synagogue and ended up killing, uh, I think it's eight confirmed dead, 11 wounded, something like that. So, um, I mean, <laughs> in, in some senses, yes, we're, we're already there. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and what's, what's, what's tough about that man is like, you know, you see these, the, the reactions when these things happen, are so politicized. Like, like it's just instantly, I, I think in a sense, again, I don't want to diminish anything from false flags. Like I said, it's something that happens and has happened. But I think that's where the, the instant cries of false flag comes from is because people are looking at events like these, like the pipe bomb and the shooting at the synagogue and everything. And their first thought is that's detrimental to my team. Right. People, people died, man, or, or these people just got a pipe bomb. You know, I mean, that should not be your first thought. And then on the other hand, and I understand I, I'm by no means, you know, we've had the conversation about when is it time to talk about it and stuff, but you know, when everybody, all the old gun arguments are just instantly trotted out the same old gun arguments that, you know, it's like, we, you got to work on solutions. Like, like you're going to keep pointing at these events as they happen and just come with the non solution of let's ban all guns over and over yeah, and over and, 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 and over Trump's again. solution was put armed guards at your synagogues. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> is that really the world we want to live in? And I think, man, the answer is, is, is to tone it down, to be kind, yeah. to love each other. Like, stop doing this. Stop ramping this up. I, I swear, I don't think we'd be in this situation if we could all just calm down yeah. and take a breath. Well, and it's like we said, you know, all the way back in the guns episode, like the solution with guns is is reaching out to people and making personal connections. And, uh, you know, again, Dia Khan. Yeah, and, Daryl uh, Davis. Daryl Davis. And, and that is the solution to all these problems. It's slow though. But that's the thing. It's, it's that's it, a slow process. And, it, it is a and slow process. I think the whole world, um, just the situation that we're in is kind of fighting against that. Yeah. Uh with social media, um, with with schools and, and classroom sizes increasing and uh and and you know, hours increasing and, and you come home from your, you know, twelve hour a day job and and you don't talk to your kids because how can you? You know, you're dead tired and 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 we're afraid to to send our kids to the park in the day, uh, yeah. you know, because who knows they might get snatched up. So our kids aren't interacting with each other anymore. You know, I I remember I remember back in the day, man. Summers we would go uh, to the park behind my house, and they would have like box hockey set up, and they'd have a Parks and Rec guy that yeah. sat at the gazebo and oversaw the entire neighborhood's worth of kids playing ball all day long. Yeah. And and that's gone. You go to a park now during the day, there might be a couple kids playing basketball. Maybe you see a kid riding his bike, but it's not the same. And we were a community of children at the park every single day, you right. know, doing that. And now kids are on Fortnite screaming, talking about each other's mama <laughs> and what they'll do if they find them. If you know you're what I'm lucky, saying? that's all they're saying. Like yeah. the whole, I feel like the whole world is, is 
is in this situation where we're just losing humanity. And and we point we point at things like the synagogue shooting and we point at things like these these pipe bombs and and we try to make it reinforce our worldview when the real answer is smacking us right in the face, man. We've lost humanity. We've lost community. Yeah. And 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 maybe, you know, maybe Clinton changing her changing her angle on this, maybe that's gonna help people come to a place of civility. But I don't know if, you know, I don't know if Donald Trump is so far past the line that no one can ever uh, no one can ever come across the aisle yeah. with Trump again. Well, you know, one of the things I wanted to, you know, specifically about what Clinton had said in that first quote, she says, uh, but until then, the only thing that the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength. And and to an extent, like, I get it, right? Like, if somebody's bullying you, you got to stand up for yourself oh, yeah. if, if that's what you feel like. So so what is the proper response to Trump, right? Like, if Trump is is lowered the bar and if he's put us there— do we not, you know, stand up to him and and defiantly say that, you know, this is what we're going to do? If this is what you want, yes, that's the only approach you take. Like if if you want uh, people freaking out and pipe bombing stuff and and people shooting up synagogues and all that stuff. Now, again, am I express explicitly blaming the Democrats? No, but no. what I'm saying is we've talked about the death spiral and how you know both sides kind of keep ratcheting things up. And standing up to the bully is going to provoke a response where the bully tries to come over top of that. And then you've got to stand up to that. And then you got well, the unless, alternative is to get bullied, right? I well, mean, no, the alternative is to disengage and find another way. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like that to me, that's what that's what the Yakan and all of them are saying. And that's and that's what I think people are losing sight of. When when you look at this and you look at some of the things you're defending, like, is this what you pictured? Like, is, is that is that what you pictured Hillary Clinton having to say? And you're like, oh, well, Trump is forcing her to say it and stuff. No, there's always a choice. Like, what if what if we repudiate Trump at the polls? Well, how do you do that? You got to build like a broad coalition and stuff. Well, um, maybe, you know, start treating people with kindness and stuff like like we're talking about instead of treating them as your enemy. And maybe coalitions can be built. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're never this is not the way to build that coalition. It's not at not. all. No, this is the way to have a have a fight. Yeah. This is the way to, to fight. So if if you want to fight, by all means, keep doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? But you're both locked in for a fight is, is what make no bones about that. Yeah. Speaking of uh, being locked into a fight, <laughs> we apparently have a heck of a fight coming at our southern border. And this whole situation with the migrant caravan uh, mm -hmm. is kind of fishy, too. Uh, so what's going on? A guy named Bartolo Fuentes, a left-leaning ex-Honduran congressman, uh, has kind of led this charge, which started as a small group of people, around 200, uh, in Honduras to travel safely to uh, the United States to seek asylum. Now, as they traveled, this thing kind of picked up steam. And apparently there was a Honduran TV news report at one point, and reporters said something to the effect of, Fuentes is going to pay for your food and travel expenses. And people started flooding. Yeah. Um, and this quickly grew to a couple of thousand people. And you got to consider a, a coyote costs upward of five grand. Yeah. Um, if people are wanting to come to America and they, and they hear, oh, shoot, well, the trip's paid for and we're going to be safe. We're all going to be together. Right. Um, so it started snowballing. People started gathering. By the time they get to the Mexico border, 
Uh, the numbers were in the thousands, and news reports now are that the group is 5,000 strong, and they've actually made it across the Mexico border. Yeah. I know they were, like, hanging at a bridge for a while, yeah. like, sending people swimming across, and there was a, oh, and they, a big I mean, to-do yeah, and kerfluffle. There's one one point where they, they actually, like, just burst through a gate. Like, the, the Mexican authorities, they're trying to form, like, a barricade line. And it's just a sea of people. I heard actually that it's it's actually reached seven thousand five hundred people. By Are you now. kidding me? And and but anyway, so many people were flooding over the gate that it kind of distracted the Mexican authorities, and then they were able to like burst through the main gate, just tear it down with a mass of people. Wow! And, and steamroll their way into Mexico. I that can't way. imagine like I can't <laughs> imagine being the president. You know, of Mexico trying to deal like, what do you do? Yeah. You'd be like, this is this is six thousand people trying to come across my border. Like, yeah. oof, oof. But the the really weird thing um, about this particular caravan, well, there's a couple things. For one, um, you know, we had the picture of the protesters in front of an American embassy in Honduras burning an American flag, mm-hmm. right? And to me, that's a little it's a little strange. And those people did not join the caravan, but they were protesting on behalf of the caravan. And to me, if you're trying to seek asylum in America, why are you burning an American flag? Right. That seems very... Um, and, uh, and drew a swastika on it. Yeah. It drew a swastika on it. Exactly. Yeah. So saying, Nazi America, here we come, right? So this, right. this to me, it very much buys into the whole Trump is a Nazi uh, narrative, and it, and it speaks to a political aim of these, of this caravan, of these right. caravanners. It, right. it doesn't, that to me doesn't speak of uh, running from violence and, and seeking safe harbor in a place where I can, you know, create a family and, and, and gain wealth. Yeah. Like burning the flag of the country you're going to sends the complete opposite message. Not only that, but as they're marching, they're waving Honduran flags. Right. So, so again, uh, a, a migrant caravan trying to escape hardship um, it, it doesn't make sense to carry national pride with you while you do that. It's almost yeah. like head hung in shame. And I get it. You're still, you know, you, you immigrate somewhere and you're still proud of your heritage and you're proud of your nation. Yeah. But well, while the cameras are on, um, and while this thing is gaining steam in, in TV and news reports and you're burning American flags and waving Honduran flags, it just doesn't, it doesn't play well. Right. And well, and you know, seven thousand people, and you know, picked up people in Guatemala, and they're probably picking up people in Mexico. Oh, they're definitely picking up people in Mexico. I have no doubt that there are there are ample people within that caravan who are fleeing something. You know what I mean? But yeah, exactly. Where did the impetus uh, for this caravan come from, and why are we starting to see caravans that are willing to walk two thousand miles? uh, to a fascist Nazi dictatorship uh, that doesn't value their lives? Um, which, I mean, you know, that's clearly what they believe if they're putting swastikas on the flag and burning it, you know right. what I'm saying? If they're making a point to stop. And that's definitely the what the narrative is across the world. Right. Right. So, so yeah. And I mean, and it's such an arduous trek that you do have to start wondering about the motivations. Now, I believe that, that Fuentes, uh, said that it's the state, uh, is trying to, you know, set it up that, that, that the left in Honduras has funded this. Because the government in Honduras knows that conditions are so bad that people are actually fleeing for their lives. So instead of acknowledging that, they want to try to pin it on the leftists in Honduras huh. and you know make it look like it's them. But I, to tell you the truth, again, here we here we are again. I could see 
you know, Donald Trump has obviously co-opted that. And what I think. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's, they're, he's they're spun all it over as a it. false flag already. They are all over. Uh, Trump implied that this was a Democratic plot to influence the elections. You know, he mentioned a lot of money was being thrown around at these people. And he's and he's got a point there. There seems to be a, a somewhat unlimited supply of money here as this group balloons and balloons and balloons. Yeah, I've seen videos of 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 cash being handed out to the protesters. Yeah. Um, although reports have said that, that as they're traveling, people are, are donating, right. you know, shopkeepers are donating food. And I imagine that um, was the deal with the semi trucks, right? They had just the semi trucks. Oh, I didn't that, see anything about that. Oh, there were, there were trucks that picked up large numbers of them and were running them down the highway for stretches. And I'm sure that was just, you know, just a bunch of random truckers donating their time. I mean, it could be, it could. It could. I, I didn't say it was. You know. It was the look in your eye, and the people can't see that look. No. Um, but I think you can't discount the possibility of this having some sort of major funding behind it. I, I, I think you'd be stupid to discount the possibility. I'm not saying right. there is, um, yeah. but at the same time, I'm not saying there isn't, you know? Well, it seems like Pence knows, uh, yeah. or thinks he knows anyway, so it rallies in uh, Arizona uh, he is. He was quoted as saying, what the president of Honduras told me is that the caravan was organized by leftist organizations, political activists within Honduras, and he said it was being funded by outside groups and even from Venezuela. Um, so, and I think Pence also referred to foreign intel. Like he said, I talked to the president of Honduras, but, you know, like I said, Fuente said the government's lying. Right. But he also uh, was referring to foreign intel. Now, on the other hand, uh, there was a Democratic pundit the other day who said that Trump is using this as his own Reichstag fire. So I guess we do believe in false flags. But anyway, <laughs> um, so here we are. Both sides are accusing each other basically of a false flag. I could I could see this as a Republican op, honestly, because yeah. to me, um, if if you're looking at this from the left, it kind of kind of backfired. I've seen a lot of my uh, leftist friends. I hate using that term. A lot of my friends on the left posting on social media and stuff saying, look, uh, you know, I support immigration and all, but if this is a group of 5,000 people trying to storm the border, they absolutely must be stopped. Yeah, yeah. So, so to me, when you organize people like this and they, and they're, and they're doing these things and waving their flags and burning the flags, um, you know, it almost plays against the left here Yeah. because all of a sudden people go, well, shit, what if the group's 10,000? What if it's 20,000 by the by the yeah. time they get to the border? And how do we possibly process them? And how do we possibly feed them, house them, shelter them while we're trying to figure out who they are, where they came from, why they're here? You know, doing yeah. all the things that are required by international law to let someone seek asylum. How do we do that when it's 10? 20,000. Who knows how many it's you know, yeah, by the yeah. time they get through Mexico. Well, it'd be interesting to see if that resolve holds out once they get here. I think that, I think that if there is, if there is a, uh, 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 insidious purpose behind these caravans, cause bear in mind, like I said, they're popping up more frequently, which is kind of weird. Um, but if there, it's to see how we deal with them once they get to our border, mm. right? Because that's when the fun can start. Cause then, you know, we've got a hold of them now. And now if we mistreat them, we get to freak out and all that good stuff. Uh, which, you know, we should if we mistreat them. I want to yeah. be clear there, but <laughs> yeah, I, I'm yeah. just saying, like, we're going to be scrutinized in every single manner in which we deport them or send them back. Right. Um, however, I don't think Trump's planning on on treating them. I, it sounds yeah. like he's planning on stationing troops on the border and yeah. pointing yeah. guns no, Mattis, at them. Madison, 800, I think, or he's going to send 800 uh, National Guard 
to the border. Yeah, yeah that sounds yeah. like the plan. For for Trump, it's it's manna from heaven. I mean, to whip up his base, right? A caravan encroaching in time with the election uh, is right. manna from heaven. And that's that's kind of my point here that it could very well be a Republican op because this plays well to his base and it plays well to the left who may be on the fence on immigration, like, oh, I don't support open borders, but I also don't support the way Trump handles immigration. Yeah. And now this huge wave, you know, yeah. maybe some of those people come over to the right a little bit and go, yeah. well, okay, I can see why open borders would be a bad idea, you know? Yeah, me me personally, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm biased, but I think the position you were describing uh, is is probably the, the right place to be. And I think that's where we have to kind of pull back from this. You know what I mean? Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to encourage caravans of thousands of people to build and make this 2000 mile March, which, you know, thank goodness people are helping them along the way, but is, is extreme, extremely dangerous for them. And, and just encourage them to steamroll their way into our country every three months. Yeah. I got to say, if there's any leftist listeners out there that are, that are typically, you know, super pro immigration, if you're looking at this caravan and going, no, nah, we should just let him in. Like I got serious questions about your sanity, man. Yeah, I really yeah. do. I, and, and I would also say then on the other hand, I would say to Trump supporters, in my opinion, okay. While there may have been some police, some political activism that helped get this thing going and is, is making sure that the cameras are looking at it. Those are still just people, man. Yeah. Like a lot of those people are not, don't have anything to do with that. And I don't think, uh, you know, like this synagogue shooter apparently thought that it is a massive Jewish conspiracy to up in Trump and, and yada, yada. You know what I mean? So, like, dude, just get over it. Like, get, get, get off your nut. There is a reasonable position in the middle, which is, no, we can't allow that stuff all the time, but let's be as humane as possible about yeah. the way that we enforce it. Let's not gun them down when they come to the border. I mean, I could see setting up temporary temporary camps and processing them slowly and effectively and doing the background checks. I mean, you're just going to have to say to Mexico, like, Hey guys, y'all, y'all let them here. So they're yeah. going to stay on your side of and the you're border. Gonna to, you're going to have to do that every time a caravan gets, yeah, you know what I mean? Y'all yeah. will have to deal with this while we process them. And it's yeah. just, you, you know, at some point you put your hands up and you go, eh, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. Do I think Trump's administration is doing the best we can? No, no absolutely not. 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 But I think someone out there can, and we need to get those people into power. Well, well let me ask you this, because I think, if nothing else, this episode should have just snapped it clear into focus. Uh, who are you voting for in the midterms? Uh, <laughs> I have I have since since decided that uh, I will vote independent or nothing from here on out. I will not support a Republican. I will not support a Democrat. If you have an R&D next to your name, uh, I believe that voting for you is going to do damage to this country. Um so I'm going to do a little more research uh, coming up here and mm -hmm. uh, either I'm, I'm not going to vote if there's no independent on the ticket or I'm going to vote the independent that's on the ticket. Right. And, and it's a shame here in, in my district because uh, I, I really like Amy McGrath. Yeah. And uh, I think she has some really good ideas. She came in, she made a plan. Her plan was good. Um, you know, she was messaging directly to voters um, as an independent. And then, you know, the Democrats picked her up. And she was sent off to to training camp with the Dems. They spent a million dollars to, you know, send her to finishing school. And she came back. And and now I do feel like she's probably just going to toe the line because, yeah. you know, they've invested in her. And how could she not? That's what I think. I think Amy McGrath honestly believes that she is. And I think this is I think this can be said probably of a lot of 
uh, Democratic candidates and probably some, you know, a good healthy portion of Republicans too. But I think she really thinks that she is going to go represent the interests of the people. So long as that coincides with the interests of the Democratic Party. Well, right? I think when like she gets Demo- down to that table and yeah. the, you know, and the and the the the, the leaders, you know, the, the party majority leaders are saying, no, we need that vote now. Yeah. You know, tapping their toe at her. Yeah. She's gonna realize real quick, oh shit. Yeah. And then and <laughs> this then is hey, how politics. And to works. be fair, uh Andy Barr, who is the the Republican choice in our district, he's a piece of shit. I mean, uh his his uh funding from he is owned through and through by pharmaceutical companies. I mean, just, just go to open secrets, take a look. I mean, it's all right there, Yeah, you know, and, and just in the way he's conducted this uh, campaign, he, you know, I mean, just came out the gate negative and stuff. He's, he's everything I hate in the politics. And, and that's a, that's a shame because I feel like I should be able to vote against Andy Barr and vote for McGrath in this yeah. election. I feel like I should be able to do that, but I think until, I mean, you guys have listened to this show up to this point. We've done 46 some episodes. Um, you know, you know how I feel. And I feel that until we send a very clear message right. that we're not going to support this nonsense anymore, yeah. uh, we're not going to climb out of this. So, yeah. you know, as, as, as hectic as this election feels and as tense it is, as it is, and I know I've got plenty of friends who are going to go, how dare you not, you know, not vote against Andy Barr, yeah. man, I'm voting independent. Yeah. And until I feel like until enough of us do and and politicians and political parties start realizing that people are fed up and they've had enough, that nothing's going to change. They're going to yeah. keep us on the cusp, uh, you know, constantly wherever wherever the elites decide they want us to be. Yeah. And I'm and I'm not happy being. there. Well, that's I actually I, I I share I share your feelings. I am actually waffling on whether or not I am going to ultimately vote for McGrath or not. Right now, I'm leaning towards not. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens come election day. Um, but I think, I think I've, I've thought up kind of a compromise p- position for me. And I was trying to think of like, Oh, I'd love a what, compromise position what would I because say, this is tearing me apart. What would I say to the, to, well, I started thinking like, what am I going to say to the audience about like the midterms, you know? And this is what I'm going to say, man. Like if you, I'm not going to begrudge you your vote. If you feel like it is life and death that Amy McGrath gets put in there or or you feel it's life and death that Andy Barr gets put in there. And now, you know, I'm not just talking to people in Kentucky across the nation. If you feel like you got to get that Republican in there, you got to get that. I understand that you go ahead and do that. Here's what I'm asking for on November 7th. Let's start looking at other options. Like I get that you're trying to get through this election. You're trying to get through Trump's presidency. I, I understand that. But until you start spending your time doing one of two things, either A, changing your party for the good, or B, finding a whole new party, none of this is going to change. And I'm going to tell you right now, trying to change your party for the good, that is an entrenched machine, my friend. Yeah, that it doesn't and, work. And good luck. So in my opinion, you know, I'm going to strongly recommend that you start looking at the third party options. And to tell you, there's not, there's not a good one out there right now. There's not. So let's start forming them. Let's start, you know, it, it, use your activist energy Here's the thing. Into dismantling this two-party thing. That's what I would say. And, and, and I 100% agree with you, but I think when we talk about this and, and the possibility of newness coming up, I think we strongly have to consider the, the roots of the machine we're against. I mean, if we are to create a movement, you know, we're going to look to things like Twitter, to things like Facebook, and we know these platforms are politically aligned and they are modifying algorithms 
uh, to, to promote some messages and to suppress other messages. I would not be surprised if, if any third party attempt gets completely crapped on by the algorithm and, and doesn't show up on news feeds and doesn't show up on Twitter. So I think we've got to step if, if it's to happen, if we're going to make change in this world, I think we have to bring it to back to face to face grassroots yeah. action. I think yeah. I don't think we can rely on Twitter. I don't think we can rely on Facebook and social media. I think you've got bot farms out there that that you know upvote the most egregious crazy crap uh and maybe they're Russian bot farms trying to sow division. We have to step outside of of that system if we're going to fix this thing. And I and I think a third party is the right way. I yeah. think if if we all decide that we've had enough and we don't want to see civil war and we don't want to see blood in the streets, um, you know, on, on behalf of these political parties, I think in 2020, we got a shot to run an independent that could win. Yeah, I do. I don't think it's outside with, with the narrative ramped up as it is. If someone can come in and somehow capture attention, um, that, that says, look, this is all going to end. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going to put a stop to this. I think they got a shot, man. Yeah. And I think, I think it's reliant on, I would also ask, like in this, you know, in this coming week, this these coming days, and and even after the election, some, when you're defending whatever your side's doing, and and see, I can do that. I can just make a blanket statement and say whenever whatever your side's doing, just think to yourself: is that is that the world that you want to live in? Is that is that where you want to be? Is that the kind of conversation that moves us forward? Is that the kind of conversation you want to be having? Mm. Because I promise you, thinking about that and 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 looking back and taking stock of the manner. And and the tone in which you're you're speaking about things, if if people just change that, that's a huge step towards fixing this thing. I I really think so. Ultimately, I think that I don't have any idea what's going to happen in the midterms, which is weird because earlier in the year I would have told you the blue wave was coming, right? <laughs> like, in fact, as soon as Trump got elected, I kind of felt like the blue wave was coming. But then it did feel like, you know, just kind of like looking at the everything, everything you see on Twitter and trying to take it all in and get a feel for it. It looked like the Democrats had kind of overplayed their hand. And that kind of culminated in the information that kind of kicked back after Kavanaugh. You know what I'm saying? Without me making a job, everybody knows where I stand on Kavanaugh. We did right. two episodes, for God's sakes. Um, but anyway, I, I think that like in a sense with the large swath of America, um, the Democrats had overplayed their hand and it looked like the Republicans were going to trounce. Now, up to this week, at least in the Senate, you know, at, at, a, at a point they were talking about the Democrats taking the Senate. Now they're talking about the Democrats losing seats in the Senate. Uh, I'd say the House is probably still going to swing Democrat. But but here's here's the overall look for me, right? I'm worried that if this is an overwhelming or is a sizable victory for Democrats this election, I'm scared about 2020. I actually have more faith in our ability to get Trump out in 2020 if the Democrats kind of get their ass handed to him in mm. this election. Because I think, in, in a sense, it's scary because, you know, all the stuff that we're talking about is going to ratchet up. Of course. You know what yeah. I mean? But I think people will start looking around and realizing that some of the things that we're doing is not working. What, what do we need to do? Remember right after Trump got elected, a lot of people were saying like, how do we reach middle America? And then that kind of got drowned out. Like, I think that is the approach that kind of needs to be taken and stuff, but you know, just a little bit different from the way it was portrayed, you know? So I'm actually more worried 
uh, if the Democrats win this one, you know, like if they, if they succeed, uh, here at this midterm than if they lose, but I got to tell you, man, it's, everything's been so chaotic since the Trump Clinton election that I have no idea. Who knows? I have no idea, you know, and I don't think anybody else does either. Really. I mean, I think I see them looking at the polls, but they're changing their stories every day. They're like, Oh, the Republicans are going to take Senate seats and the representatives, you know, so who knows? Yeah, I definitely don't know, and I'm getting to the point where I almost don't care, which is really kind (laughs) of sad. I hear you, man. Um, So before we wrap this up, I just wanted to say that next week's episode is going to come out a little bit late. Um, We'd initially floated the idea of responding to the midterm uh, live, yeah, uh, but decided that might be a little too difficult. We weren't sure if our listeners would really be into it. So we'd love to hear your feedback about that if you'd like to hear like a live Sense and Theory yeah. Um, you know, shoot us a note, leave us a yeah, comment. I think, I think we're willing to try if you guys, if you guys want that. Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. Um, but anyway, so next week we're going to record, we're going to wait to record, which we typically do on Sundays, uh, after the midterm results come in, mm-hmm. uh, so we can have a, a, a nice fresh response to that. And we'll be releasing that episode on Friday or Saturday instead of our normal Thursday release. So you can watch your Saturday morning cartoons with the big bowl of cereal while listening to sense and theory. <laughs> there you go. I'm there sure go. somebody's going to do that. I also, <laughs> I also want to say that uh, episode 50 is going to be the last episode of the season of sorts. Yeah. Um, we are going to take a holiday break after that, and we will pick back up, uh, what, January? Yeah, sometime in January. But yeah, so the last episode uh, for this year will come out on Thanksgiving, actually. And then, uh, yeah, somewhere in January, we will pick it back up. There'll be announcements and all that stuff. So you guys don't forget about it. Should be a great fun ride. Uh, in the meantime, you can pick up and, you know, catch up on the back catalog, which I'm sure you haven't listened to everything. There's a lot of episodes out there. Yeah. Uh, so go through the back catalog and, and catch yourself up uh, on the break. So uh, with that said, I think we're going to have to kick it over to our fact checker extraordinaire who is going to look at all the ways we screwed up today and uh, tear us down in a piling, flaming I'll bet, wreckage. I'll bet he doesn't have anything today. Ugh. Oh, wow. You fellas ought to title this episode Golden Corral because you've laid your old buddy Beanzo out a full-blown feast of falsehood. So, uh, let's see. Well, to start this whole damn episode... <clears throat> Beans, I need you to read this. How about you cooling jets there, Maverick? I'm doing my segment. Dude, just read it. Jeez, all All right. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Sponsor? Now how do we get... For 47 episodes, the Sense and Theory podcast has stood as the bulwark against the extremism and hyper-partisanship that's infested our national discourse. Led by two average Joes from middle America who put their pants on one leg at a time and ride short bikes like God intended, this show is surely poised to go down in the annals of American history as a cultural and political milestone. With their no-nonsense approach, willingness to compromise, and clear, concise positions on low-cost prescription drug prices, it's no wonder that a full 66% of the show employees want sense and theory to continue hosting the podcast. But unfortunately, not everyone cares about our children's future. To some people, like Beanzo. Things like personal glory, contractual technicalities, and just being a snitch in general are more important than our nation's veterans. Beanzo. Claims to stand for truth. Your dogged and determined pursuer of truth. 
facts. Your peerless adjudicator of the facts. And accuracy. The czar of certainty. The vizier of veracity. But when it came to Dr. Robert Zubrin's name, did he really? Dr. Robert Zubrin. Enough to keep your family safe? Dr. Robert Zubrin. Your kids? Robert Zubrin. This fall, the choice before you is important, yet simple. A vote for Sense and Theory is a vote to see the values that made this country strong reflected back in each hour-long episode every Thursday. Eh, hour-ish. A vote for Beans is a vote for, well, I'm not saying he's a tattletale, but some tattletales told me he's a tattletale. Sense and Theory. The same you can believe in. I'm Sense and Theory, and we approve this message. message. Paid for by Americans Against Fascist Fact Checkers and the National Short Bike Alliance. Really? Really? So, so that's what we're doing, huh? That's exactly what we're doing. Yep. You started it. One name. That's that's all you got to be. You're supposed one to be name, the arbiter huh? of facts, man. It's not just one name when you're the fact checker for the oh, show. Oh, so what? We just we just throwing out remainders of six now, huh? They yeah, well. Don't uh, exist you know, all of a sudden? Theory. Like, it's two thirds. It's roughly. Come I, on. I, I didn't hear roughly. And how dare you drop my segment and on a show about false flags. Yep. Sponsors will, man. Yeah. They pay well, the bills. I got a news flash for you, buddy. The biggest false flag of the last 20 years was when Kanye got up and took the mic from Taylor Swift. <gasps> Are you saying she did that for publicity? How dare you? Beanzo. Hey folks, I'm Sense, one half of the Sense and Theory podcast. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening. Uh, It's your time and attention that makes this show worthwhile. Uh, We do the show for you and our listeners. Um, I'd ask you to leave a review, good or bad, on iTunes. Uh, Come check us out on the various social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find the links uh, in the description to the show. And uh, if you want to reach out with a comment, uh, joke, uh, funny anecdote, uh, you want to call me an idiot, uh, senseandtheorypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Thanks again, folks, and we'll see you next week.